Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I'll be interviewing Tim Wynn, composer to XCOM 2, as well as other video game scores, and also Supernatural, the television show. We'll discuss his career and more. I'll also include some of his music from XCOM 2, as well as other pieces. All today on Soundtrack Alley. interviewing Tim Wynn today of the video game scoring world. He recently composed XCOM 2 War of the Chosen for Xbox and PlayStation 4. He's also composed music for Command and Conquer as well as the television show Supernatural. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, I'm Randy Andrews and I'm here with Tim Wynn. Uh, Tim, it's good to have you on my show. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so the first question I'd like to ask you today is, how did you begin composing film? Well, uh, after college, I, I started working in, in feature films uh, right away doing uh, Roger Corman. He had a company called Concord New Horizons where uh, James Horner got started. Uh, Chris Young, uh, another composer, got started. Um and so I started doing films and it, so it, it, already I was working with orchestras on a, on a smaller scale. And it, it, this was, and then that takes us to, I'm, and I'm getting, you know, ahead of myself. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> in between, but, um, when games kind of started getting out of the bleeps and bloops and getting out of the eight bit stuff, uh, in the early two thousands, um, they were looking for music that, reminded them of films or had that epic quality and stuff like that. So I already had that on my reel. So when I started meeting some people in games and, and game companies um, that, you know, I, I, I was already prepared and had that stuff. And, and it was kind of an easy slide. Not, I don't want to say easy. That sounds too uh, glib, but it was, uh, I was at the right time, right place, I, I guess, for, for, for going in and, and working on games. Nice, nice. Now, now you mentioned working on some Roger Corman films. What kind of films were you working on? Uh, there was one called Terminal Virus with uh, James Brolin, and uh, I did a C. Thomas Howell film, and you know they were kind of all over the map. But they usually had the, his his style was to uh, pay a lot for the stars, and then everything else for the production was like zero. You know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, I don't even remember how much money I got paid, but it, it, it wasn't a lot. And, you know, a lot of up and comers, uh, you know, kind of got, you know, cut their teeth on it. I met some um, well-known 
uh, music supervisors, Alex Potsavis, who works a lot in the field and does a lot of, uh, you know, big uh, TV shows and movies and things like that. So it, it was really kind of a, you know, an incubator for young talent. And, uh, it, you know, and from there, it, you know, it led to other things and they went on and did other films and, and that person would go on and do a film and they would use me and stuff like that. So it, it's kind of like if you can survive doing an action movie, uh, with really old technology, it's not talking about technology that we have here. That's really useful and makes things easier. Um, if you can do an action movie like that in three to four weeks and survive it and not kill yourself, then, I mean, I think suddenly it's like the world goes, okay, we'll reward you with something really valuable now, now that you survived. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, tell me about your experience studying under Elmer Bernstein, Christopher Young, and Jerry Goldsmith? Well, uh, it, it was, I mean, amazing. I mean, to, to just be in the same room with these guys and hear, uh, you know, Jerry talk about his, you know, work on Star Trek. Um, you know, one of my favorite scores of his was, uh, now that I'm, I'm, I'm blanking, uh, uh, Chinatown and, and all, all these other scores talking, uh, talking about it was kind of this invaluable thing. Um, Chris Young was, is a person that still to this day, uh, speaking of incubators, he was someone that always believed in helping people into their, you know, careers. And he was someone that, um, was instrumental in, in just kind of showing you the way and, and, and even me working in, in Roger Corman where kind of Chris Young kind of came from it didn't have any relation to it. It wasn't that Chris said, you know, put me up for something, uh, but he would have, uh, but as a teacher, he can't play favorites to, you know, Oh yeah. To, you know, to somebody. Uh, and, but Elmer Bernstein is the one that I think I got the most out of in the experience because he was just the most kindest and genuine, uh, man, um, that he was, you know, anytime you would talk to him and he, he wanted to, you know, he, there was no barrier of big time, uh, Oscar award winning composer, somebody. And then like myself, someone who has done nothing at that point. Um, he really made me feel uh, like he, I remember one of the things he said that he, he was, uh, that you and I have the same amount of talent. I've just only been doing it, uh, longer than you. And it really struck me that like, Oh my God, okay, I, I can do this. And, um, uh, you know, that gave me the confidence and, and, and he even invited, he invited us to a, a, uh, scoring session, um, later in the year when the, the class was done and, and I got to see Elmer Bernstein get fired. Oh. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty, you know, pretty amazing thing, uh, to see and kind of prepare, you know, your whole, your whole career for is, is, is Elmer was just that, that guy is, I mean, Jerry, they, they all were that, that great, but Elmer was something about his just kindness and warmness and, and, you know, and, and also the thing also he, he, he said, and kind of, it, it uh, struck me was after he got fired, the one thing he wanted to do was go watch a Dodger game. And it kind of reminded me that everybody needs that life work balance. You mm -hmm. know, we can't yeah. all just live and, you know, breathe it 24 hours a day, even though sometimes we, we have to. Um, so, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. And so I, I always looked at Elmer's thinking, well, see, he had his outlet as sports and he's not sitting there thinking about like, you know, when, when a composer goes to watch a movie or watches TV shows, 
I'm still, I can't turn it off. I watch Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, that cue was great. That cue was, ah, I didn't like how that transitioned or something. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you yeah. just don't turn it off. Yeah. Uh, when I go, when I go to a hockey game, I can just, you know, I'm focusing only on hockey and I can actually take my mind can take a break. And, and I'm, Elmer was the same way. And that's, that's a really good way of looking at that. And so when you've, when you've done compositions for say film, as well as video game, do you think that the influences that you've had with Elmer Bernstein, Christopher Young, and Jerry Goldsmith, has that improved uh, the way you compose, or have you used influences from those composers? Uh, absolutely. I, I think with, with Elmer especially, uh, his his sort of comedy wit was, you know, he, he, he was someone who wrote everything, but I mean, Jerry did too, but, but Elmer really did comedy like nobody else, you know, Ghostbusters and, you know, everything else would be does stripes and all, all those things. And what I brought when I was working in, uh, it wasn't mostly for games, but films or TV shows or anything like that. Uh, I did, or the one game that I did use it was the Simpsons was just playing everything straight, you know, uh, let, let the comedy be the comedy and you, you know, you just play the straight man and not to go, you know, blinking and blomping every little, every little, you know, joke. And I mean, Elmer was amazing at that. And, and, you know, I just think of all the stuff in stripes. I mean, how it just an animal house, another one too, that he did. It was just, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's comedy gold. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, Goldsmith, I think what I took away from him was, uh, the, the movie that I was kind of blanking on before was planet of the apes was the, the score. I mean, to me, I still think that's the best score pretty much of all time i mean regardless i mean there are other scores that we can all argue about but that's the one that and first blood i think too that he did and people always think of rambo and they think of this and that but they kind of overlook that score that score is genius and Mm -hmm. and uh just how he spotted the film how he decided there was the time where uh where rambo at the very beginning of the movie uh, not well near the beginning of the movie where he after he breaks out of the 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 uh, police office you know the police headquarters and he's taken off on a motorcycle so today you would be like oh music 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 but jerry said no he waited until the whole all that chase scene was going and then when you know he was kind of finally gone then the music kind of like started like midway through it and it's just that that sort of uh you know spotting is and and where to put music and things like that it's just something that that i really took away from him and and his use of mixed meter in action music from the seven eight to six eight to five eight to all the stuff that he i mean he 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 was just a genius with that so yeah i i had um i had done a podcast about planet of the apes and i really took away from that uh, the uh, audio commentary with Jerry Goldsmith and how he would have so much silence throughout the film because it was more dramatic that way. Well, people forget that. I mean, silence is a cue in itself, mm-hmm. um, and and you know you, you see it a little bit more in in uh, scary movies or something like that where they will let let the silence the silence is scarier sometimes than than me putting a high string in there and telling you, okay, you should be scared. It's like, Oh my God, there's a, you know, there's something, I mean, it's, it's unnerving and it's, and it's unnatural, especially nowadays where, you know, the Marvel films and everything. I mean, there's just this cacophony of sound all the time. And, and uh, yeah, Jerry was, was fantastic in, in letting the silence, you know, 
just carry you from point to point and then and let the music when it needs to come in come in and and if you can find unique places that aren't so obvious to come in i think that's that's where you know the genius gets separated from just you know the regular composer type thing oh that's that's a really excellent point on that all right so um let's see at usc uh you became acquainted with christopher lenertz Leonard's okay Uh, in working with him as a business partner how has that helped your career well I I mean we started off kind of you know in the same place where he was we were both working at Concord New Horizons kind of trading off doing their 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 pictures and things like that and we quickly learned that being a composer is very lonely Um, you really are in front of your computer and for, you know, six weeks at a time, five weeks at a time. And you really just don't talk to a soul. Um, and we would call each other and just kind of, you know, we kind of felt that we were miserable all the time. Um, so when he started working in TV shows, he, he got a, uh, an office and we decided to get in together and like, well, this is, this will be great. We'll, we'll, you know, share guitars if we need to, we can talk, but it was more just so um, you could check, a lot of it was was he could say, "Hey, what do you think about this melody? Here's my problem. Here's this. Here's that," um, and I would do the same to him. And so it was just kind of a way to bounce uh, thoughts. Are so I, I don't know. I felt like w- when we were in that stage of, of working together, um, we were stronger together, even though we weren't necessarily working on the same projects. Then then we were separate, and uh, you know because it is such a it, it can be such a lonely field and and. Um, there's not, you know, the sense of camaraderie, I guess, that maybe other fields do it. Although it's gotten better. I mean, lately, I feel like it's it's gotten a lot better. The younger people, I, I think that the team aspect of it has mm-hmm. been a little bit, you know, with uh, when you have Hans and, and James and Howard working together on stuff. And it wasn't that way so much maybe 20 years ago where it was a little bit more odd that multiple composers would work on the same project. But it's common, you know, with games now to have multiple composers. So it's it's the team aspect of it is coming into it. And I think that's actually benefits everything, but, uh, but also it w- what would help is if I was too busy on a project um, in the beginning. Now he, he's too busy to do that, but I had to call him and say, Hey dude, you want to work on, on this thing? He's like, you know, I'm too busy. Um, so there was a way to a, a backstopping it. So we wouldn't each, you know, kill each other. It's like, Hey, do you want to take this cue? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And so, uh, and that's, you know, kind of what happened with, I've been working with him on Supernatural for 13 years. Um, and it just started, it started off that way where it's like, you look, I, you know, I need, I need some help. And, and, uh, what do you think about it? I knew the show creator and now I, I do it just, I don't really have time to do it, but I want to do it because I've been involved with it for 13 years. So mm-hmm. I make time and, you know, it's been amazing to do to you know show to work on so you know just for that alone i mean it's it's been i mean coming from usc with him throughout the whole process and now to today where we own a recording studio together i mean i know i I, i'm very lucky you know very i feel very lucky and and i hope he feels the same way (laughs) (laughs) that's really that's really great though um what do you find most engaging about having the regular gig with um supernatural i mean the most engaging thing i think is just i mean coming back to the same characters seeing them evolve 
seeing if there's a different ways to play this scene that you've done, you know, a, a number of times. And, 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 and now, I mean, you know, I, I joke with my assistant now who's 23. I'm like, you're 10 years old when I started working on this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of the technology that changed from that. So I'm always trying to incorporate the new sounds or the new this or add something, a new element into the score. So I, I think that's the part that's that's engaging is just continually trying to tell the same story with a fresh approach. Nice. Nice. That's really good. All right. So when writing music for the current video games, such as XCOM 2, The War of the Chosen, what do you mean when you talk about analog orchestral sounds? So that's kind of a a jumble of two things. So I I, I, I get it. Um, So... The, it's kind of the blending of analog and and orchestral sounds. So uh, uh, naturally, orchestral sounds would be analog. I mean, I guess you know they're not really uh, digital. So I, I, I kind of like to uh, to take stuff that that are separate and kind of fit them in together some way. Um, not that it has any bearing with it, but I do remember thinking about seven years ago, kind of like, I wonder what country would sound like if they put rap together and then suddenly before i know it's like four four years later there was i forget the band's name i'm like yeah i I knew that i saw that (laughs) one coming so as much as possible i try to incorporate those same sort of elements in the score you know in in my scores of of trying to take stuff that that doesn't fit and doesn't blend together and 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 make them work and 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 find out what works you know together and and you know uh i have lots of little rules that that um that Elmer Bernstein kind of like ran into it where I felt like orchestral action music doesn't really work well if you use like a, a kick and dr- a kick and snare like that is always it's awful okay mm-hmm. so you can't do that you can either use it with uh, a 60 six, eight meter where or halftime or something but just like this regular like thing so there are little rules that like I've learned throughout the <laughs> the time that that does it so uh Okay. Well, I mean, that's a really nice way to describe that. And I was just really curious about it because I hadn't heard that before. So, um, I mean, the way, you know, analog orchestral uh, sounds, I hadn't heard of that before. So Yeah, I mean, the, the analog refers to, you know, sort of the analog sense that that I started with when I was, you know, 14, uh, 13, and, and was able to talk my dad into buying me a synth that had all those knobs and got to learn all the filters and stuff. And, and thankfully they've kind of come back and, and they kind of have a nice little, it's, it's really kind of neat, like taking that sort of seventies dirty stuff and then adding, you know, great orchestral stuff together and you kind of have a nice blend of it. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, um, do you, okay. So when, when you look at say the story of games, uh, that you compose for, um, before, before they actually become like produced and they're ready to go, um, what do you, let's see, what do you think about when you're writing for these games? Do you get a chance to see the game in action before it's become production and, uh, get an idea of how to compose for that music? Well, Usually in games, it's kind of split up into two 
things, and and I'll take XCOM as a as an example. Yeah, that's great. Um, where they it's the two things. It's there's in game music, and then they call it cutscenes or you know mo- in game movies or whatever like that. So the in game mo- uh, music is meant to be interactive with the player. So if they trigger a certain element, then you know this music changes to that, and or uh, a element gets removed or added or something a melody plays that you know is part of the the composition and then the cutscenes are basically just scenes just like a movie or whatever like that so those are much more i mean I, you know i've done a lot of tv shows a lot of movies a lot of you know everything so those are pretty much just the, the same you know just like any scene you know writing music for any scene um but you have to think of them you're having these small snippets that are two minutes long, you know, three minutes long. So you have to think of that story arc in, well, there's the first time you see this character and that. So it's really, you, you, you don't, you're not thinking them in two bit, two minute chunks, even though you are writing them in two minute chunks, mm-hmm. you're trying to think about like, well, how, when this comes back, how can the theme, um, you know, change and, and evolve into, you know, different stuff. Um, so that's, I mean, pretty much the, the, the difference in, in, in between the in-game music and the cutscenes. And the in-game music, I will see some of it sometimes. Like sometimes they'll just give me like a video that I can put in my sequencer and, and, and play with it. But how it gets edited and, and things like that, that's really up to the publisher and, you know, and, and the, the music programmer for that. Oh, okay. All right. I, I just, I was curious to see if you had you know, any uh, way of seeing that, you know, kind of like when you see a film before the music's added, um, are you able to see that same effect with the game? So, you know, sometimes uh, it depends on if there's how early in the project that you can get started on it. Uh, so, but... There's always at the last minute, I mean, there's there's bugs, there's this, there's that. I mean, they're just, they're trying to figure out how they're going to get it shipped in three weeks. Everyone's like, oh my God, you know, how are we going to do it? So there are times where, uh, I, I think with XCOM, it, you know, the the first time I would see the music uh, in, in the interactive, not in not in the cutscenes or anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, would be when I'm playing it myself. And, and then I'd be like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. That's great. That's, you know, I see how, how it all works. I mean... I've done enough of them now where I kind of, I don't necessarily need the same, uh, you know, the same sort of video feedback or, oh, yeah. or seeing, you know, I, I just, it just kind of like, I don't want to say it naturally comes, but it's just, it's just more, it, it happens easier than I think at, at the beginning. I, I don't worry about so much of it and it seems to make sense, you know. Awesome. Well, that's good. Um, I see you were nominated five times for the Gang Awards. And also you won OSV's Best In-Game Soundtrack in 2012. Um, tell me about that, and what have you learned since then? Um, well, so the scores that I've been nominated for, the, the first one was for the Simpsons game. Um, and I was uh, hired from EA to do that after somebody, a uh, big film composer, got fired. I won't, I won't use names, but... Uh, um, so that was a great, th- a great experience to which we, uh, and Chris, they split it up into two halves and, and I did one half and Chris uh, Lennox did the other half. 
and then we got to go up and re- record uh, at uh, a week up at Skywalker Ranch. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that was great. I mean, it was kind of a dream come true. And then <laughs> I ended up recording two other scores up there later uh, that the, the next year. So that was, you know, I, uh, I, I look back on those, those, those two years very fondly. Um, great orchestra. Uh, so, so, so that was the first game I was nominated and we won, uh, best interactive score or something like that. And then, uh, the next game that I really kind of, uh, got nominated for was the darkness Two, mm. And that score, I ended up recording over in Prague for a week. Um, and you know, it, it, you know, one best score, that was the same one that won best thing. So it, oh, it's okay. kind of like. It's kind of like split up into those two things. So those mm-hmm. are the, those are the scores that that did it. And um, and I'm sorry, what was the question? Was it uh, what did I learn from? What did you learn since then? Like like oh, what have I learned from since that then? experience? Um, that win or lose, that uh, uh, you know, just getting nominated is it, it's true. It, it's 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 the award in itself because there's so many great scores and mm-hmm. and, and and it's kind of a whim um, of somebody's idea of what they like or what they don't like. And, uh, um, and you know, just that just getting nominated is a good thing. And, 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 and trying to, you know, nowadays it's, it's trickier with, um, with so many people with so many opinions and things. And I I remember I was, I was so proud of the darkness score when it came out and, you know, I was looking at the, I, I, I don't do it anymore, but I, I, I looked at some of the chat boards and, there was, you know, somebody putting a post like, oh, this score sucks and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm really happy with it. It was great. And everyone <laughs> loves it. Yada, yada, yada. And this one guy, like, just totally rained on my parade about it. I, and, I, and I read his comments. And then I started, it kind of bothered me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not, this is good stuff. I know, you know, I know good stuff. And and um, and then I kind of researched a little bit, and I found out the guy was expecting a really a heavy metal score, and it oh. was an orchestral score. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, if he's expecting Metallica, and he gets, you know, this you know kind of big sweeping emotional, you know, uh, sort of, of score, then he's he's going to be upset about it. So now now I just I, I kind of tune that stuff. So I oh, guess yeah. what I've learned is to yeah. try to tune that stuff out. Uh, rather than, you know, get so upset about, you know, one person's opinion on it. And, and, you know, I think as composers in general, and, uh, is we're all kind of a neurotic bunch and, you know, even doing supernatural for 13 seasons, I'll still sit down and go, God, I don't know if I could do it this, this episode. Can I, can I pull it off again? (laughs) And it's silly, it's crazy, but those are some of the thoughts that come to mind. Well, that, that certainly makes sense because, uh, for you as a composer, you always want to grow in your field and uh bring something different to the right. table that you haven't done before right i mean I, I that's always what you're you're trying to do is is not just do the same thing over and over and over again and 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 that that part can be tricky because sometimes you get a uh, call and they're like yeah just do it again you know just time this time louder or this so then you really it's it's incumbent on you to try to figure out how can you add new things how can you evolve this you know uh in games there can be this you know especially these action games you just you get into the same thing over and over again and like i'm always the thing about games in general i'm always trying to figure out what the what can the music do to help tell the story Mm -hmm. i get that i have to service the action and the the you know the fighting and the this and that 
But to me, the the magic moments in the score are are the, in the emotional moments, and and you know where can I, you know, find those things to really make the you know the heart sing, and I and I think that makes it for a better better game. So they're not just this one note like action, 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 action. It's like where where can the story come in, and where can the music help tell the story? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. All right, um, I've got a interesting question for you. If you had a dream job of composing for, say, a large production for film or television of the past or present, what would it be and why? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess some of my favorite stories are, I mean, I guess for, for gaming, um, I would do... It's not even a scoring so much, but Grand Theft Auto. I just always I, the 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 madness of that game. I've just always found great. So if uh, if they're listening, you know, I, I definitely uh, I would do that for sure. <laughs> um, I think uh, Fallout was another another uh, title that I've always I've always been drawn to that story and the of uh, the the first. I don't know if you're a fan of it, but the first game i think that it was based off was called wasteland and i played that when i was very young um on the computer so i i just played that in the ground so um you know i've been able to uh, i also worked on command and conquer red oh, yeah. Three. yep and 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 that was a game too that i kind of grew up um playing and i was in the ea offices and i'm kind of getting off on a tangent oh but, that's okay um but i was in the ea offices for another game and I saw some artwork. I'm like, I know that. That's the Kirov. And uh, and so I came in back into the meeting, and I and I said, I said, oh, you guys are doing Red Alert. And he goes, yeah. And by the way, they're looking for a composer. I'm like, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, I I am a huge fan, and I would love to do it. So it does it does kind of happen where you, you know, where there's a star that you you fall in love with, or this or that, and then you end up doing a movie or a project with them. And, and Red Alert Three was that. Um, film wise, uh, well, I mean, I guess if we really, I, I mean, I, I would hate to follow like Goldsmith or something like that, but if doing the planet of the apes, I mean, just being able to, uh, to do something like that, I think would be, I did it. I mean, one of the movies I did was based off of, it was kind of the same sort of stuff, but I remember telling the director, yeah, we should make it kind of like planet of the apes, but with the, with the sense of the day of that, I couldn't do anything like planet of the apes. I couldn't make it sound anything, you know? no live percussion or no this and that. So, you know, it, it didn't really turn out like Planet of the Apes, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but, you know, doing something like that. And, and, and also I think, uh, uh, do, I would like to do, if you ever, uh, the film Dave, that was a great score. Oh, yeah. James yeah. Howard. Mm-hmm. And that was a very kind of obscure, people don't really talk about it, but boy, I remember when it came out and, and it's, it rewrote the kind of the comedy genre for a little while. And, and, uh, and I, I really, I really like that score. So I, I would love to do something like that in that film. I, I don't know if like I would want to, you know, like people talk about like with Giacchino doing with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want that call honestly. That mm-hmm. that's that's just you know how can you how can you get better than perfection with what John Williams has done? So um, I'd be a little bit leery of uh, of that. And you know, but those are some of the game. Those are some of the games and movies that I would probably like to do if they remade them. Nice. That's that's a really good answer. Um, so, what do you find easier to write for film or for video game? Well, I, I, I guess I would say film. 
Okay. Um, because there are very strict defined parameters. You have the minute the uh, the movie's going to take two hours, an hour and a half, whatever that happens into it. So there's very, you know, there's the story arc. There's this. There's that. There's scenes. You know, because every every scene that you're working on as a composer is your it's a problem basically. It's almost like a mathematical problem of of how to um, you know if you could strip away everything like some sort of like genius, you would you'd see like these numbers flying by and 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 all these shapes and things like that. There would be this you know sort of like matrix thing behind it, and um, and so with a film, it's you know it, it's it's all kind of there and you just, you kind of go from point A to point B and, and, and it's a little easier that way. Games, the interactive nature, when, when you don't have uh, certain things, stimulus, shall we say, to, to, to do it when you're like, Oh, just write a battle scene. It's like, well, I just wrote another uh, one before. All right. How is this one different? You know, is there something different about it? Are there different characters there that I can try to figure out? Well, there's a different sound or this or that. So um, that can be, uh, sometimes that can be, it sounds like it's easier, but it, it's, it, it's harder. I think you know, mm. the in-game movies, when I write during games, they're, they're, they're usually, you know, they happen r- rather quickly because you're, here's a point for 40 seconds they're talking and then there's this fighting for 30 seconds. And then, mm-hmm. so then it, it, it kind of segments it and makes it, makes it all make sense. So you don't have to like, you know, just use kind of the ether to kind of pull it out. And just kind of make up, you know, sometimes I would, if for a battle scene, I would just make up stuff in my mind, like try, try to like, well, from here to here, you know, it's an arbitrary nature. So it would, it would kind of make more sense. Nice. Well, that's yeah. good. Um, so what current projects are you working on? Um, I'm working on a Disney show and the second season of that called Mech X4. Mm-hmm. So that's on the Disney Channel and Disney XD. Uh, I'm working on... A, another game coming out next it's coming out i think in three weeks yeah three weeks uh called warhammer 2 from creative assembly um so that's coming out i'm working on another game with that company that i don't know exactly the time frame it's going to come out so that that's happening um i'm working on i'm starting a feature film i don't want to say too much about it but it it, it, it should be should well be, some uh, of those some of those you have to keep some of those you have to keep quiet uh well, and i understand until that I, i'm of the opinion and you know kind of coming up through it i can't tell you how many projects that i've worked on that i thought were in the bag and 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 that were perfect and you know i was getting hired and then just something happens and so i'm kind of superstitious i think um so you know it sounds <laughs> like they're hiring me and it sounds like it's a done deal and even after the contract signed you could get fired and this and that so I mean, although I've never been fired yet, I don't knock on wood, but, uh, well, actually I take that back. I was fired. I was one fired one for one time. Disney was doing, um, uh, some shorts before films where they were introducing their film or something, but the shorts had nothing to do. They just were entertainment, um, with the film. And I was having my second child and, you know, they didn't have a lot of money and I'm like, okay, it's no problem. And, and, and I just, I didn't even get started on it really. Um, and before I know it, they said, you know what? We've decided to go a different direction, which I'm like, okay, great, which I haven't, you know, there's not that mm-hmm. much money anyway. You know, what happened? Like, yeah, uh, Hans Zimmer's going to do it. I'm like, Hans? <laughs> <laughs> so I got fired for Hans Zimmer. So that's, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so 
do you work on any independent projects for yourself uh, that that you release? Um, I have in the past where uh, I kind of came up, you know, writing, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, rock songs, and I used to, you know, uh, produce that sort of things. Um, so the problem is every time I start going, all right, this is the month I'm going to complete it or work it and, you know, start recording it. Uh, I mean, I just, I just get too busy with stuff and, 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 and I have a family and, and, uh, so those personal projects and I have a, a, a concerto that I'm kind of working off in, in nice. it's all with, uh, the, uh, sort of Van Gogh's pictures, mm-hmm. um, things it's a it's a i don't want to get too involved in it someone's going to take my take my idea and then and run with it but uh but yeah so those are the two things that i have but unfortunately i don't know i don't i, I between them being finished first or my grave i i <laughs> i don't the over under under is grave i would take i would you know those are you know hope, hopefully i continue to work and and i don't have have time to work on those projects because you know the past those passion projects they're amazing but the reason why they're called passion projects, they really just, they, you know, they, they kind of take your soul out of it. And, and, and you really, you know, you just invest so much time in, in things. And it's hard to, to, to flip flop back and forth with that between TV shows and games and, all, you know, all these sort of things. So, um, so yeah. Well, that's, that's good though. Um, so where can people find you, Tim? Uh, you can find me at, on my website, uh, timwin.net. You can find me, I think, on my Facebook page, Timothy Michael Wynn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, underscore Tim Wynn. Uh, you know, those are the those are the main cool. places that I hang out. I think I'm also on uh, SoundCloud, you know, from time to time, and and then and then also all the albums on Spotify and and uh, iTunes and, and that sort of stuff as well. Cool. All right. Well, Tim, it's been a pleasure being able to talk to you today. And I hope that the rest of your day goes well, because I know you're very busy. And uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Thanks, Russell. I appreciate it. And uh, take care as well. You're not in Florida or anything like that. You're not going to get like washed away. No, I'm I'm in the Midwest. So Midwest. Good. Okay. <laughs> so it's, we're, it's... We're in the West. My family's from Minnesota. Oh, nice. Nice. So I'm landlocked. So uh, there you go. Well, there's lakes and stuff around. It's oh, great. yeah. Yeah. So but you're safe. You know, right. There's no hurricanes coming to get you. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we had a, a couple that we've known for a long time come to visit from Florida because they're not sure if they're going to be able to go back for for a little while. Yeah. So. No, that's that's I have I have a friend. Uh, let me see what time uh, that that's on uh, Turks and Caicos, and I'm just like, I mean, get out. I mean, it's like that a storm. It's is coming right for that island, and and you know, I mean, they they were very glib about it. Like, oh, we're getting ready. Should I get should I get alcohol or should I get water and you know all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I mean get out. I mean, yeah. don't, this is, you know, this was three or four days ago. And then suddenly the, the Facebook posts have stopped and I'm like, yeah, maybe they like realize that you're seriously in deep doo-doo. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, between, between the political turmoil and the hurricane, it's like, sometimes it's hard. It's like, it's good to have for me writing music that I just turn everything off and try not, try not to think about it and try to stay in my own bubble. That's good. That's good. Well, so thanks again, thanks again, Russell. I really appreciate uh, the interview, and, and I look forward to hearing hearing you make me look uh, 
and sound lucid. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, Tim. Cool. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye. So it was really a wonderful experience to be able to interview Tim on my show. The first music that I'll be presenting of Tim's is XCOM 2 War of the Chosen. I'll present three cues specifically to represent the best of that album or what I feel is really good. I'll share War of the Chosen, Living Dead, and finally Bad Robots. This really presents Tim's ability to give us action in spite of the game being a strategy-based game. I really like these cues and hope you do as well.
Now, I've also put a suite together from the original XCOM game, and I hope you enjoy it.
Next, I've got music from Command and Conquer 3 Red Alert. I'll be playing Time Machine, Red Tide, Battleground of the Bear, and finally, Bring It. I hope you find these set of cues to be energetic and rocking. We've come down to another end of Soundtrack Alley, and I've given you a lot to absorb today, and I hope you've enjoyed it. You can find me at SoundtrackAlley.net and SoundtrackAlley.Podbean.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter at RandallAndrews1, and Google Play. You can email me at SoundtrackAlley at Yahoo.com for questions or comments. And if you're on iTunes, please rate and review the show. It helps me get noticed. So until next time, happy listening.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take the time to review my podcast on iTunes or even listen to it on Podbean. With your review, it helps me get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley. If you are an Apple podcast, please give the show a five-star rating. Check out the content over at SoundtrackAlley.com, as well as Cinematic Sound Radio, where most of my new material is posted. If you have a comment, question, or concern, please email me at SoundtrackAlley at gmail.com.